Good morning, everybody. So um, just to let you know, I really appreciate um, Adam. Um, I, not just because I get to preach this week, but uh, if you didn't know, uh, this is supposed to be last week's sermon. And last Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, I sent Adam a text that said, hey, um, just so you know, not feeling great, tested positive for COVID. Um, tag, you're it. And um, I'm really grateful for Adam because he likes to work ahead. And so he had this week's sermon already done. And so last week you heard this week's sermon. And so this week you get to hear what was supposed to be going on last week. Um, but I appreciate Adam because y'all probably didn't even know that, the way he just was prepared and took over, and it was so nice for me to be able to go, um, I'm down. I'm not happening this weekend. So thankfully, I'm feeling better. I have since tested negative, so don't worry about being close to me. We're good, and, um, but I'm looking forward. So uh, be prepared. I've had a few weeks to get ready for this sermon, um, so hopefully we'll be done you know, by um, time. Um, so we've been in this sermon series um, talking about as yourself, um, the second command in the two great commandments, to love your neighbor as yourself. And usually we focus hard on that first half of um, the verse of loving your neighbor. I know for me, normally I, I, I probably need the reminder of the first half of that a commandment, to be looking to other people, to be looking to be a blessing. But we also do need to be reminded that this second half, to love your neighbor as yourself, is critical. I know, I think for myself growing up, I grew up in the church, um, and so I heard this a lot. But usually when I thought of this, it was kind of like, make sure you put yourself second. This is kind of how I internalized it. Nobody told me that. It's just kind of how I thought it meant. It's like, so always be taking the second place. But as I've gotten older, I've realized this as yourself is so critical. And it goes along with the first commandment to love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I'm learning more and more as I get older the importance of knowing how much God loves me knowing who I am and my value and worth, what it means to be created in the image of God, and therefore knowing myself, but also taking care of myself, um, loving myself, because in order to love my neighbor well, guess what? I need to be healthy. I need to do it from a healthy place of my identity and, and my value and worth so that people know how much they are valued and they know how much they are worth. We don't like it when people help us. If I'm in the doctor's office for my yearly physical, and I'm sitting in there, and the doctor or nurse walks in sneezing and coughing, how confident are you that you're leaving the doctor's office in a better condition than when you walked in? And this is true for us as well. If we're to love our neighbor well, then I also need to make sure that I'm loving myself, that I am loving myself as God loves me. And so this is critical, and this is why this whole sermon series, the last several weeks that we're talking about this as yourself. 
the idea of self-care is really popular in our culture today. Okay, self-care, um, there's a lot of positive. So this is not to push down on that. There's a lot of positive that comes about this idea of taking care of yourself. However, it's important um, that we recognize um, what is good and, and what is not healthy when it comes to that. I mean, absolutely. God cares for us and we should love ourselves and take care of ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And being a part of the kingdom of God is a part of our healing and our growth and who we are becoming as his children. And so it's not like self-care is just this selfish thing, but we partner with God. This is what we're meant to do is partner with God in order to become the best version of ourselves. And guess what? That happens when we start to look more and more like Jesus and taking on his characteristics, taking on his values. And so this is a part of loving ourselves. But that's why we also have to be careful. When we talk about self-care, we, and we have to be careful about um, our understanding of that. The Bible would say, use the word discerning. We have to be discerning of what is actually good and what is going too far and which is not good. The world's version can quickly devolve into self-centeredness when we're talking about self-care. Um, I mean, there are people who have been working on themselves for 15, 20 years now. Okay, there comes a point where it's like, okay, let's, let's just be honest, you're really just self-centered. But self-care, loving ourselves, is an important part of being a child of God. The question is, who do you trust to define what self-care looks like? Who do you trust to define what self-care looks like to us? The world will tell you all kinds of things, particularly in our consumer-driven culture. Everybody's got something great to sell you, and there's a bit of truth in it. It's good and, and all these kind of things, but where does healthy end when the world is defining what self-care looks like? God knows you best. God knows you best. And we have to learn to trust what he says. Everybody wants abundant life. Everybody in this world wants abundant life. That's, that's the reality. Some people think they already have it. Some people think it's unattainable. It's something maybe I'll never experience. But everybody wants abundant life. They want to feel life, to have purpose and to flourish in their relationships and, and to and have a sense of well-being. Everybody wants abundant life. But the truth is God created you and he knows you best. He loves you more than anybody else. And he wants to lead you into what loving yourself really looks like. Adam has talked about the heart and our desires. He, last week, he talked about our bodies and how do we love ourselves through our bodies. Today, we're going to talk about self-care for the mind. 
how, how do I love myself and how do I love my mind? How do I take care of my mind in a way that, that God would lead me and God would honor me? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the mind. Um, when the Bible talks about the mind, we have to be careful when, you know, you take a, a metaphor or an image out of Scripture because it doesn't always line up exactly how we, we do. The heart is a good example of that. But when it comes to the mind, um, it isn't too different than how we understand it today. Now, biblical authors didn't necessarily have the brain in mind. I know a lot of times when we talk about the mind and we use images today, you see a head, maybe with the brain, you got the thought bubble that pops up. Um, so they weren't necessarily thinking about the physical brain, but they are describing the cognitive, rational, purposeful, or, or thoughtful aspect of our nature, where we're taking in information we're learning, we're processing that information in order to create, um, create understanding. How do I understand that the world works in relationships? How do I reflect upon reality? What's normal, what's not normal, what's safe, what's unsafe? Um, but then also starting to form those opinions and values. And so our minds is always processing information. And it's not necessarily always this conscious thing that, that we're aware of. 24-7, our minds are taking in information. It's processing it. It's filing it. It's, it's doing it. And it's, I mean, we like to think I'm a very rational being. I think through things. I think about it. It's like your mind is doing so much more so much more than you realize. Even when we're sleeping and we think, okay, the mind has shut off. Even when we are sleeping, the mind is processing what it is hearing, what it is sensing, and it is always going. Our minds are super computers. This is how we were created. And it's, so it's not just this classroom or book learning um, or engaging in any kind of form of media. Um, it's all the time. Brain science is fascinating. It is a rabbit, I don't even know you can call it a rabbit trail. You start looking it up and learning and man, it just goes. The human mind is a brilliant thing. This is, but this is why. So we're all the time taking in information from birth all the way. But this is why your culture, your family of origin, the people that you are around a lot, your friends, your coworkers, your, your classmates, um, all these different people we interact with because we're just taking in information all the time makes a huge difference on how we view the world, how we understand the world, how we make sense of the world, what seems normal, what seems abnormal, what is risky, what is safe. Our minds are taking these things in all the time. The dramatic experiences, both positive and negative, they have a profound effect on how we view the world. This is what we call the worldview. 
Worldview is about my understanding of what is normal, what is, what is true, what are values, what are the opinions, and everybody has a worldview. Whether you can describe it or not, um, doesn't matter. You have a worldview because your mind, this is how we were created. We, we work on understanding reality around us. The best way, I think, um, to think about worldview is, is, is thinking of it like in terms of patterns of thinking. Different people have patterns of thinking. What is true? What is normal? What is right? How, how do you get through into this world? And so what's coming into our minds has a profound effect on what we think and what we do and the decisions that we make. And so as followers of Jesus, as children of God, we really have to be conscious. If we're going to care for our mind and our thoughts and our decisions and our reactions that are instantaneous, we have to be aware and ask ourselves the question, who is influencing and shaping your patterns of thinking? Take a moment. If you are really honest with yourself, who is influencing and shaping your patterns of thinking? Because Values, opinions, and instantaneous decisions, it all comes from the information that's been coming in and coming in and coming in. And if we're not aware and then we're not intentional, we're going to see that it can really lead us astray. So we're going to look at Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 is not just like, so you have the book of Psalms, and, and the book of Psalms isn't just a, here's Psalm 1. All right, here's the first one. We like this one. Uh, but Psalms one is, Psalm 1 is really an introduction to the entire book of Psalms. And it's intentionally there in order to give us so, this picture of, so what a per, the person of God, the person who wants to love God, worship God, and follow God, what is it? What does this look like? And so Psalm 1 is the introduction to this whole book of this is how we follow God. This is how we worship God. And so let's read Psalm 1 together. It's not very long. If it's underlined, that's your part. And so let's, let's look at this together. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Not so the wicked... They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So in Psalm 1, 
you have this picture. It is this compare and contrast. Blessed is the one. And then we also read about a second group where what they're doing is leading to destruction. It is, it is not leading to abundant life, okay? And so, you, so what is the way? How do we go about knowing how to follow God and how to find the abundant life that God has for us? And so the first that we see is you don't do what? Don't walk in step with, stand in the way, or sit in the company. All these things of the sinners, of the wicked, in this. So you have, he's describing the worldly perspective here. And all these terms to, to stand in the way, to sit in the company, this isn't just about what you do. This isn't just about your behavior. This, he is contrasting your way of thinking. And he says, look, if you're just gonna go in the flow of everybody else, of sinners and mockers, where does this lead? It leads to destruction if you don't pay attention. And he contrasts that with what? He said, but blessed is the one who does what? Blessed is the one who loves, who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates upon it day and night, each and every day. And when he talks about the law of the Lord here, notice the, the L is lowercase. This isn't capital L, the 613 rules and laws of you know, the Old Testament. Um, how many love to you know, meditate day and night on the student handbook that your school has, okay, or that work has, that you go, I find delight in just meditating on the rules. Um, there's a few weird people out there, you probably do, but for most of us, the do's and the don'ts, what he's talking about, this little L, is he's talking about the instruction. This is the law, this is Torah, okay, is the, the original Hebrew is, he delights in the Torah, the instruction of the Lord. So we're not just talking about, you know, day and night studying Leviticus, okay, in the Old Testament. We're talking about meditating upon the story, the message that God has for his people. We're talking about starting in Genesis 1 and working your way through all of the law, but also the prophets and the teachings and the historical stories. And so blessed is the one who takes delight in understanding the instruction of the Lord, who loves to read it, to meditate it, because that pattern of thinking leads to what? That pattern of thinking leads to abundant life. The beautiful image that he uses here when he talks about a tree planted, you know, in, um, along streams of water. When you think of biblical imagery, this isn't just, a, oh, this is a tree that's got plenty of water and it's going to grow and it's going to be great. Where do we think of in the Bible where there's a tree, a life-giving tree that is planted amongst 
plural streams of water. And the image should shoot us back to the Garden of Eden, the tree of life, the place of the presence of God, where life was abundant, life was good with God, life was good with one another, life was plentiful. And so how do we get to the abundant life, the kind of abundant life that we lost in the Garden of Eden? How do we get there? How do we head back in that direction? And he says, the one who delights in the instruction of the Lord, who meditates it, meditates on it day and night. We all want abundant life. Where is it found? It's not found in just copying the way of thinking of everybody else and being void and not, and not reflecting upon our experiences, but just going after our desires, just reacting. And as everybody else around me is reacting, where does that lead? It leads to pain and destruction and suffering. But what does delighting in the instruction of the Lord lead to? It leads to abundant life. The reality is, Our minds are these supercomputers and we're processing information all the time. But guess what? There are gaps in your own information. As smart, as intelligent as you are, you are limited in your perspective. You are limited in knowing how to react. What is true? Even though my heart and my feelings may be reacting in this way, what do I know to be true? And if all I'm doing is following in the same way and reacting with the same way and the reasoning and and what the world is doing, guess what? I'm going to get the same results. And this is why it's so important for us to reflect on the instruction of the Lord because the instruction of the Lord does what? It fills in the gaps when I'm not sure what to do, when I feel devalued, when I'm hurting, What do I know to be true about God? What do I know to be true about myself? Not that the world tells me, but what God tells me. This is why loving your mind is so critical that we're connected to God and that we are connected to his knowing. Our habits, our interactions, and our patterns of thinking and understanding, they shape our values and our beliefs and our desires. If we are not intentional about putting into our minds and meditating on godly things, where do the patterns of thinking come from? It comes from the world. It comes from the world. We don't magically become better and more godly people just because we're baptized. Just because we prayed a prayer or when you came a believer and you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, if there is no significant changes to your habits in your prayer life, in learning scripture, engaging in a discipleship community, whether that be a microchurch, you know, a class or a small group of people that you have coffee and breakfast with, 
regularly. If there are no changes in my learning and taking in, it's unrealistic to expect positive change. This is what scripture teaches us over and over again. Coming to Jesus is not a magic pill for changing your life. Following Jesus, learning from him, learning about the instruction of the Lord, enjoying that and letting him fill in the gaps of our understanding and our learning is what leads us to start experiencing the abundant life that God intends for us. If there is no change, it's unrealistic to expect different results. The vast majority of our decisions are not made upon extended times of reflection, but they are instinctual and they come from our values and beliefs and the desires of our hearts. The vast majority are instantaneous decisions. Healthy decisions come from the prior work we have already done. Well, let me say that again. Healthy decisions come from the prior work we have already done. And too often, Christian people who are not actively praying, who are not regularly reading scripture, who are not trying to build their faith and their understanding, when trouble comes, all of a sudden they go, well, what happened? I don't know what to do. I, you know, who do I turn to? And now's the time where they start lobbing up prayers and they wonder, why does it feel like my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling? I don't know what the right decision is. And, and they feel paralyzed. And the reason is because it's about who we're following, not just where we get to go someday. Healthy decisions come from the prior work that we have already done. If you want to experience the abundant life, guess what? He says, blessed is the one who loves, who delights in the instruction of the Lord. Because God's instruction is not to harm us. It is not to control us. It is not to make our lives more boring. It is meant to lead us into the goodness and purpose of life. The Apostle Paul talks about this process in Romans chapter 12. I think Paul is probably has meditated on Psalm chapter one when he says this. He says in Romans 12, two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, just going with the flow, just like everybody else, but be transformed. Who does the transforming? Do you transform yourself? No, be transformed. Let God be the one who is transforming you by the renewing of your mind. Then, notice the word, then, 
you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What comes first, according to Paul? The renewing of your mind. And if I'm working in this process of letting God fill the gaps of my understanding and I'm renewing my mind, then I will be able to test and approve. I'll I'll know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you see the overlap here with Psalm 1? How how do I live in the abundant life? How, How do I experience life as God intended for me? By the renewing of my mind, by delighting in the Lord's instruction. The question we have to wrestle with is, do I truly trust that God knows best? Or do I just want to figure it out on my own? Do I want to try to choose what the abundant life is or do I trust God to fill in the blanks? When he says, don't do something, and man, that looks good, do I trust that what he is telling me is true? So self-care for the mind. What does this look like? Self-care for the mind. There's three things that I want to encourage us to really consider and do today. So self-care for the mind. Number one, we have to pay attention to the nutrition. What is my mind feeding on? What is, what are the thoughts? What are the ideas? What is coming into my mind? Is it healthy? Is it healthy? We've already talked about in Philippians, Adam talked about this a couple weeks ago. Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble and right and pure and lovely, what is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What is going into my mind? What is coming in? Be aware of it. One of the realities is how the world processes information often goes against our our godly design, okay? Today's world, this is where technology sometimes, it just blows right past what is healthy. I want you to think about how TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, how Netflix and Hulu and the hundreds of other streaming platforms, how do they operate? You watch a video, and what happens when the video's done? You watch another video, and then you watch another video, and guess what? An hour and a half goes by, and you've watched who knows how many videos. And we're consuming, 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 and we think it's just entertainment, but guess what? What's going in? is a part of the process, it's going in, and what's going in, and it's consume, consume, consume without any reflection. This is how our culture is wrapped up today. We are consuming so much information all the time, and very rarely do we actually stop to think, what was that message really about? What were the values that were being communicated in that? And we just take it in, and we take it in, and we take it in without any time of reflection. Paul tells Timothy, young evangelist, 
He says, turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge. We have to be discerning and aware of what we're taking in, whether it be the movies, the TV shows, the news, even those who are around us in the influence. Being aware and processing that information is so critical. Being aware of the nutrition, how healthy are the thoughts and the ideas that are going in? Are there things that I need to limit or eliminate? It's just like your diet and dieting. A bad, you know, you can exercise all you want, but it won't overcome a really bad diet. And the same is true for our minds. But also, when are you being intentional about shaping your patterns of thinking to be in line with Jesus? How intentional are you about what you're reading and you're thinking about? When are those moments? Because once a week for an hour doesn't cut it. You can't eat a salad once a week and be like, I eat healthy, right? We, for our minds, we have to think in the same way. What a, daily, what am I taking in? Is it healthy? Am I being intentional about what is coming into my mind? Second one is exercise. The importance of exercise, okay? Um, <clears throat> keeping your mind active, reading, solving problems, puzzles, engaging in stimulating conversation, um, listening to podcasts. Uh, brain science shows us how important it is for our minds to stay active. Um, when people are starting to experience um, neurological issues, whether it be early onset dementia, um, you know, whatever it may be, Parkinson's even, and other things, the doctors will tell you the number one thing to do is to exercise, exercise your mind. It is so much more effective than actual medication. And for us, we need to make sure our minds are exercising and that we are thinking about it and, and practicing it. And you think again, what's the healthiest way to exercise? Is it once a month going all out for an hour and then you regret it for the next week? Or is it this regular pattern of exercise in intervals each day? And our minds are the same way. This is one of the reasons why we have our devotional going on. If you don't have a regular habit of getting into God's word, this is a great way to start. These are not long devotionals, but it's, it's helping you process scripture. It's processing God's instruction and at making you answer questions and do things. It's a great way to go about it. And so if you're not doing the devotional, I highly suggest you can find it on the app here. You can grab a copy out in the lobby but also when it comes to exercise, managing stress, learning breathing exercises, meditation, mindfulness, being aware of what's going on. And the final thing though I would say, you've got nutrition exercise, is rest. Your mind needs rest. 
Our bodies need rest, but our minds need rest as well. How often do you feel tired, but you know it's not physical? When somebody says, how are you doing? And your answer is, I'm kind of tired. But they go, oh, did you not sleep well? No, I slept okay. Did you run a marathon? No, I didn't run a marathon. And if I'm honest, it's I'm tired because mentally I'm exhausted. So much going on, so busy. Even when I leave work, guess what? Work is still happening. This is why God gave the gift of Sabbath to the Jewish people. Sabbath wasn't just this physical rest. It was stop working. Rest. Put it aside. Connect with your creator. Let him worry about that today. We need to give our brain some downtime, some mindless activity, whether it be games, mowing the lawn, whatever it might be for you. Mindless activity where our minds are resting. But also we need to practice Sabbath. Practice stopping and resting. The spiritual practices like solitude and silence where we're not worried about producing or planning or scheduling and we're just present with the God who loves us. Even if it's for a moment, we need to rest. So my question for us today when it comes to loving our minds, the self-care for the mind, for you, what is one step that you need to take? For you, maybe it's reflecting upon, you know, what are you feeding your mind? And maybe I recognize I need to start limiting some things that are really more like junk food, and it's really not that healthy. And maybe for you, you go, you also say, not only do I need to cut it out, but I need to start somewhere small with some healthy habits. I need to start, and maybe it's the devotional. Maybe it's daily. I'm going to start with an actual daily prayer time that is consistent. Whatever it is, what is that healthy step for you? And for you, maybe you go, I just need to start resting because I'm overloaded and I'm always feeling tired and stressed. Whatever that is for you, I want to encourage you to take that step. Let's stand together and let's pray about that together as we, as we close. Father God, this morning we, we know that you love us. We know that you see us and, and that's why we're here. We're here to worship you. And, and, but Father, I pray that you would help us to know that as much as we think we like ourselves and we take care of ourselves, that you love us infinitely more. You know us so much better. And so, Father, my, my prayer is that we would take serious what your word tells us, that you want to lead us into abundant life with you, abundant life with one another and in our families. 
but help us to take serious what it means to love you and to love our minds and pay attention to what's coming in and coming out. So, Father, my prayer right now is that for each person in here that your spirit would speak clearly to them. In this moment of stillness, Father, that you would bring clarity, something they can do, somewhere you are leading them in order to hear your voice. Father, I pray that you would give them the courage and the endurance and the strength to take that step this week so that we may be your people who are walking this beautiful way, the way that leads to abundance and life. And that people would start to notice those steps. People would start to notice a change in, in that we are free and that we are happy and, and joyful in you, knowing you are with us. So Father, that is my prayer. Lead us and guide us and set us free. We thank you for doing that through Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. All right, thanks everybody. It's good to have you with us. Go be salt and light in a world that desperately needs it.